Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, shine new. I said, turn to your neighbor and shine, say, shine new. Glory to his name. So I was saying in first service, you know, I, I have a habit because uh, I love Jesus so much. I have a habit of just being in the word, spending time in the word, taking time to read the word. You understand, you can't truly be a follower of Christ without habitually being in his word. And again, you've got to grow beyond uh, just the um, proverbial pick up the Bible, open it up, wherever your eyes land, that's your scripture for today moment. You've got to be beyond the uh, electronic copy where they send you the verse of the day or, you know, you're picked up in some devotion. Those are all good to a degree, but you got to get beyond that. You got to get to the place that you discipline yourself to start at Genesis 1-1 and find yourself at the end of Revelations 22 every year, every year, because that's where context is set. Hallelujah. Because we can find scripture to make up about anything. It's very easy to take scripture out of context because there's so many of them. And if you don't watch out because we don't discipline ourselves to want to know for ourselves, then we find ourselves at the mercy of somebody else's so-called revelation. This is why I've said to you on more than one occasion here at Anchor Faith Church, you don't, you're not obligated to believe anything that I say at all. In fact, just because I say it, you shouldn't believe it. You should search the scriptures for yourself. That's why we load the box with scripture. Amen. Amen. To give you the opportunity to go. We invite you along with myself, our pastoral staff, those that are in our supportive ministry, where, wherever they serve, to go through the Bible with us every year. Every year. It's hard to be stuck in deception when you actually take the responsibility to read the word for yourself. Hallelujah. And you understand, it's easy for us to not want to do this because we came out of a lifestyle where we didn't really want to do things anyway. You know, we kind of scapegoat stuff. You understand, when sin shows up like it did in Adam's life, the first thing he did was blame God. He said, Father, it's that woman you gave me. If you wouldn't actually got, brought her here, I'd be all right right now. No, he chose to disobey. And notice, in a perfect world, because I'm doing a lot of study right now on the millennial reign, because I'm doing a class with Kingdom Institute about the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, I, I, I must admit, I'm quite shocked that we don't spend more time here. I'm quite shocked that we kind of glazed over this moment because too often in the realm of Christianity, our biggest desire is to be born again. And the next thought is when I die, I go to heaven. And that's the only thought we have in the afterlife. But the reality is Jesus is coming back to the same planet. And the scripture emphatically supports that, that he will show up. He'll take his church but that is a temporary time frame. <laughs> and then he will come back himself on this planet in Israel, set up his, his headquarters of his government in Jerusalem and rule the world for a thousand years. Now, the first thousand years is a process. It's just the first recorded Amount that there's this process that takes place. But when Jesus actually sets his foot down and comes in his second return to reign, he'll never not reign. He's actually setting up his eternal kingdom. There's just a documented dispensation called the thousand year reign of Christ that he's basically eliminating all rebellion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Adam, in a perfect world, God created the heavens and the world, there were laws. Because every free will moral agent must have laws in order to function properly. And there will always be laws in the kingdom of God. Because freedom comes by obeying. Are you with me? Obedience is the word of the king. 
Whatever he says, we say, yes, Lord, because you have life and you have brought life and you are life and we're going to follow your word. And you, because if I'm not around you, where am I? As Peter said, you have words of life. Where are we going to go? Amen. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be alive today. I said, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be alive today. So as I study the word, you know, every once in a while, God puts some things in my spirit. And a lot of times I just get to preach those on Sunday or preach those on Wednesday. You know, you get something like, wow, that's good. And you preach it. Then there's other times as I've gotten a little bit older and we've grown as a body, the Lord begins to put things in me and begins to say, now just set on that. That means I can't say it yet. And sometimes I don't even study it yet. I just know something's there. And I'm going to need to pick that up one day. So through the years, if you were on my iPad right now, you'd see I have this file folder, 2005. Another one that says 2007. Unfortunately, 2004 and 2006, don't know what happened to them. They were lost. But 2008 becomes a real, um, I really get into making sure all my stuff's saved because I used to just always do paper copies only. And then once you get in 2009 to now, 2008, every sermon that I've preached is in there. Every one of them. I can go back. Now, the thing about my preaching, and I'll just show you real quick. I have no problem. If you look at my preaching, for those who could or couldn't see, they're only scripture. I have one, two, three bold bullet point statements. So that means everything I'm going to preach to you comes as I preach it. I got it in my spirit. I get so much I don't have time to write it down. And I just trust the Holy Ghost he's going to continue to reveal. Plus it doesn't confine me to, so that means three years from now, if I come back to this message, it has to be real again. It's not just a note. I've conditioned myself that I don't go back and just preach because I have something somewhere and it's just I can preach a good word. I require myself to say, now, God, what were you saying there? Why did I use that scripture? To recreate this dialogue with him. Amen. Amen. Good news is a lot of stuff's captured on our, uh, when we record, and I can go back and listen to those as well and say, ah, oh, that was good. I can write that down. And some, you know, we carry over. Some make it into books. Praise God. But the reality is, is that we want to be led by the Spirit when we minister. Yeah. Now, understand, I've spent hours studying, so I know where I'm going. Just because you can't see my note doesn't mean I don't know where I'm headed. But sometimes there's these messages that get placed in a miscellaneous folder, drop down in the sermon somewhere. And so what I do is I'll go in and I'll start just hitting some key phrases and pull everything that has that phrase in a sermon. And all of a sudden I'll come across these messages that have been on the shelf. Now if a message has been on the shelf and the Holy Ghost says, go pick that up, that means that God has said it's time. And we have one of those moments this morning. It's time. That tells me that God knew when I saw this back in 2015 that he wanted to wait till today. Which means he knew who would be here today. How many of you in this, uh, in this sanctuary right now were not even here in 2015? Wow. Maybe it was waiting for you to show up. Maybe this is why God waited. It could be that people who've been with us from the beginning needed to get to this moment to hear this word per se. There's all. Maybe someone who's been with us uh, since the beginning but is struggling right now and, and having some issues in their identity, God wants to remind them right now. I don't know the whole reason, but I do know this, that some reason on April 15th, 2018, God wanted me to preach this message that he showed me back in 2015. Are you expecting today? For me, coming here is not a duty. Nor is it a religious exercise. It is because I'm in obedience to my king who called me and placed me in this city. Amen. Told me to be here. And you are the fruit of that labor. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Now, what is the fruit of that labor? Maturity. <laughs> Growing in the things of God. We've told together. A lot of us have gone through a lot of things and we are applying God's word. So the word, I don't, I don't take it lightly. I believe that God wants to say something to us. And if we come with expectation, then you'll be able to receive something today you may have never heard before or adjust a few things in you that you are been missing pieces in your life. But you got to come saying, I'm going to hear from God. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So you'll get as much as you expect today. If you come expecting, you'll receive. If you didn't, then you'll get just that. <clears throat> and it's not because we're not preaching by unction. All right, John chapter 8. Look at someone and say, shine new. Say, shine new. Say, shine new. Come on, say it louder. You know, I'll give 8.30 a pass. They're just waking up. But you've been awake for a while, or should have been. Amen. And if you only make it to 11 because of how late you stay out on uh, Saturday night, you might want to reconsider. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 2 says, early in the morning. So this applied to first service, not you. <laughs> this never would have happened for you because you're here now. Okay. But this would have happened early in the morning. He came, this is Jesus, again into the temple and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them, much like we did in first service, okay? You don't qualify for early in the morning because pretty soon it's going to be time to eat. In fact, in 10 minutes, most people want to eat, but it's going to be a lot longer than that before y'all go. <laughs> Say hallelujah. Amen. We're going to get this word in you today. <clears throat> it's that worship team God gave me. They go so long. <laughs> Not at all. Weren't you blessed by it? Man, I'm always pulling, man. Whatever you need to do, Lord. Whatever you need to do. Hallelujah. My gosh, can we get back to the days where we hunger and thirst for righteousness and quit hungering and thirsting for our own flesh? Can we get to the time where like, God, I can't even leave till you speak to me? When's that going to happen? It's happening is what I'm saying. It is happening. All over the world is happening. It needs to come back to the U.S. Because I can tell you right now, I can hit other countries right now and preach for four hours and they'll still be sitting and waiting. How much more should we be hungry? Because God has made us one of the most prosperous nations that can get this gospel out into the world. We need to know who we are and go do something great with it. Amen. I'll let you know I won't preach longer than the restaurants will stay open. They'll be uh, still there. We're going to be good to go. So early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began to teach them. So let's pretend you were first service. It's that early. And here, here I am. I'm, I'm going to be Jesus at this point based upon the context. And you're going to be in the temple hearing me teach. And then all of a sudden in the middle of this, someone breaks into the temple. Someone breaks into the temple. It's the scribes and the Pharisees. Notice scribes and Pharisees were late to service. <laughs> Why are religious people late to service? Right? So the scribes and the Pharisees, they show up late. And what are they? They came in with the, the desire to disrupt. Okay? That was their agenda. They came to disrupt and they brought a woman caught in adultery. Caught. That means they were at the house. Instead of getting ready for service, they went to the club Saturday nights and was at the house of the woman that they knew was married somewhere else and went back to the house where she went and was hanging out waiting to make sure what they thought was going to happen would happen. They're not, they're not going off of what they heard Jesus already say. Because Jesus had already said to them earlier that messed them up. He said, you heard the ancients say, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, 
If you even lust after a woman in your own heart, you've committed the sin of adultery. That jacked their mind. That exposed them for who they were. On the outside, they looked all godly, man. They walked around like they were in God's presence, like God was with them. But the reality is, on the inside, they were dirty. They were broken down. They were whitewashed tombs. They were clean cups on the outside. But on the inside, they were filthy rags. And they were hindering people from coming to the kingdom of God. They love the crowds and love the attention and, and love people to look at them, but they didn't do anything for the people themselves. And Jesus said they lusted after the women that came through and they knew they were just as much condemned as the ones that were in the action. But they didn't go after this woman based upon a thought. Looks like she's going into the house. She's in adultery. Let's get her. No, they waited. Caught in the, now, what act you think she was caught in? So the next question is, what did she look like when she got to church? Excuse me, ma'am, you are committing adultery right now, and we need to take you to the temple. Because according to our law, and you know this, that because you have committed adultery, we're going to have to stone you. Don't know what happened to the guy. Caught in the act. Was he paid? I don't know who set it up. All I know is the guy's not there. He's given the door. Okay. Could you please get dressed so we can take... Do you think they did that? No, they grabbed her. The Bible doesn't say whether she came naked or with a sheet. Now, knowing how these guys are, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if she came in with nothing on to try to draw attention to what they were doing because they needed the attention because they've come in for one purpose, to accuse Jesus. But we'll keep it PG-13. She came in with a sheet so I can keep most of y'all with me today. <clears throat> that way you're not imagining what she looks like coming down as they dragged her. Thank God for my Washington teachers. I said drug. You know, they drug her down here. That's from, from the South. See, I mean, that's it's not correct. It's just Southern. You're not going to find it in a dictionary. You know, we say some words that, you know, aren't there. Dragged her down. I can be corrected, and I thank God for that. Okay. So they dragged her into the temple, plops her down in front of Jesus. Whether she's in clothes or not, we don't know. But we do know this. Service has just changed. Do you think the Holy Ghost got offended and left? Oh, hallelujah. You'd be surprised what the Holy Ghost can still operate in, the environments he can still do things in. And the Holy Ghost was still in the room. And they said to the teacher, this woman's been caught uh, in adultery, the very act. Now in, the law, now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? And they were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground. Just because you don't address every situation when a situation occurs doesn't mean you're not addressing situations. Because sometimes the best way to address a lot of situations is in prayer. But then sometimes, you know, when you've addressed it in prayer and they're still being pushed, then sometimes you're going to have to stand up and address it in the natural. So Jesus stands up after he's obviously been listening to the Holy Ghost. And but when they persisted and asked him, he straightened up and said to them, who is without sin among you? Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, this is significant because, again, if you don't read your Bible, you won't know this. But if you do, you know this, according to uh, the law that they were still operating uh, under, okay, is that there were certain acts that happened within the nation of Israel, and when these acts took place, they were punishable by death. Acts like adultery, right? Acts like murder. Another act like rebellion in children. Acts like worshiping other gods and enticing the nation to go to those other gods. They were punishable by stoning. And when the accusation came before the nation by two or three witnesses, 
not one, but by two or three witnesses, then the one who brought the accusation was the first one to throw the stone. Why is that? Because God was not creating a nation where people could just find a reason to get rid of people. They became, they must operate underneath the same zeal of God for the love of God and abhorred anything that was against him. And that had to be their motivation for them to throw a stone because they wanted to eliminate evil from the nation. Are you with me? And if the child came up in rebellion, it was the parent's responsibility. Say, pastor, that's hard. That's how much God wants us to understand his love and how big he is. Now, we are in a new covenant. I understand that. But that doesn't negate the fact that God still requires him to be first. We are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Period. In the old covenant, they couldn't help it because their spirit, man, was dead. Nothing on the inside had light to it. All they had was the outside external uh, laws to help keep them straight. And God says, I'm going to do something better. One day, I'm going to put it inside them. I said, one day, I'm going to put them inside them. Now, guess what? If you got it on the inside, how much more should you do it? How much more? And if you were here Wednesday night, Pastor Marcy's preaching a great series on the elementary principles, and she begins to discuss, do not neglect so great a salvation. I looked that word up, uh, neglect. It means to be careless of, you know, to, to treat with no consideration. Are you with me? To treat with no consideration. And it's amazing if we don't watch out, we will, in turn, I'm looking up another word right now. Um, if we don't watch out, we will put ourselves in a position that um, we do not hold true to this great price that we've come into. That we flippantly say, okay, great, no problem. Are you with me? Okay. So here um, Jesus then puts it back on them. Notice what he didn't do. He did not say, don't stone her. So he didn't disagree with the law. He didn't do that. What he said was, let's find a candidate who can throw the stone. Who has a right to throw it? At this point, obviously, he said, he who's never sinned, cast the first stone. And then he goes back to writing on the ground. Verse 9, when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the altar. And he, le and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. So now she's there. In clothes or out of clothes, we don't know. But we know this, her accusers are gone. That's right. Now, who's in the room that is qualified to throw the stone? Who? Who? Because the Bible says the man who knew no sin became our sin. So Jesus actually set it up that he left no doubt the only one who has the right is me. So what's he going to do? Because he knows the law. Well, look what comes next. He then, he straightened up. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Do no, did no one condemn you? Now, what her response is massive. This is huge because her response dictates his response. Are you with me? This is not the first time Jesus dealt with questioning people. Remember, how many remember blind man Bartimaeus? Well, if you haven't read that particular biblical account of this man that actually existed on the planet, he used to sit by the wayside and he was blinded. He was blinded and he begged for alms all the time. And Jesus was coming through his town and he heard Jesus was there. But now blind man Bartimaeus knew that Jesus healed the blind eyes. So he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, people that were walking with Jesus in the crowd started saying, shut up, shut up. Tell him, don't say. Well, he didn't listen to them. He called all the more, screaming more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It gets Jesus' attention. He stops, turns and says, tell him to come. 
Well, they bring him to Jesus. Then Jesus does something that you think is a no brainer, but it's not a no brainer because Jesus doesn't live by what he sees. Just because I see something doesn't mean people want to change something. A lot of times we get frustrated. Gosh, don't they see what they're in? Don't they see? No, they don't want to change. So he asked him, what do you want from me? Now you would think that should be easy, right? He wants to be, wants to see. You know what he could have said? He could have said this. Jesus, I heard that you fed the 5,000. I heard that. And that you, after the five loaves and two fish, Jesus, that you collected 12 basketfuls. Now all I do is sit here and beg, and I'm going to ask you, would you provide for me? Take care, give me something so that I can live more than just day to day. Could have asked that. He didn't ask that. What he asked was, I want to see. So Jesus responded to his answer. He did not respond before. Are you with me? Outside of the gifts of the spirit in operation, and that's as the spirit wills. God is going to deal with you based upon your faith and what you want and what you're asking. So this woman, he asked the question, you know, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. At this point, she recognizes his lordship. She knows I'm exposed. I'm completely exposed. I am been found out. And the reality is, I should be. No one of these guys have contended me, and now I'm at your mercy, Lord. Yeah. Wow. And Jesus says, because she called him Lord, he says, I do not condemn you. Woo, glory to God. Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah. Jesus wanted her to recognize him as Lord because he wanted, he desired to show her forgiveness. He desired to be able to um, um, acquit her of her sin, uh, to pronounce uh, a pardon on her sentence. He so desired to want to, but he needs her recognition. He needed it. And honestly, if we don't watch out, we stop the gospel right here. We stop the gospel of Jesus right here. That Jesus, he knows that you're an adulterer. He knows. And when I say adulterer, let me define that real quick. Because adulterer doesn't literally mean just in adultery where you are sleeping with someone else's spouse. Jesus used this term adulterous in another context because this husband-wife adultery relationship is what we do to the Lord when we go after things other than him. He said it in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. He said, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words uh, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father and with the holy angels. Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 9 says it this way, telling us the heart of God. Then those uh, of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive. How I, God saying, I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts which turned away from me and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols. And, and they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations. Jesus is saying, the father saying, I was hurt that they cheated on me. That they gave all their strength in their heart to false gods. Now, you say, well, that's not me. Listen, if you don't, we got to understand, idolatry is anything that you put before God. A job can be idolatry. Money can be idolatry. Amen. Now, we all have to work. Nobody's saying you don't. But how committed are you to the local body of and not forsaking the assembling of yourself together and being connected to others, joining and fitted so we can carry out the plan of God? If that's secondary, I'm telling you, you're going to bed with the wrong God. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, last two weeks I had props here and everybody was happy. Stay with me now. Amen. Because I'm fixing to bring you into where you are. Hallelujah. 
because you're free from that. I said, you're free from that existence. You're not stuck in that kind of shame and condemnation. You're free from that. God liberated you from that. God liberated you from all your sin. And most of us, we come down exposed to God and we want him to forgive us. But God's not finished talking when he says, I do not condemn you. There's another statement he makes. When he finishes with the woman, Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. So I don't condemn you. But at this point, if I'm Lord, do what I say. I said this in first service. God gave it to me right at the end. No believer has a problem with the Great Commission. How many ever heard of the Great Commission? The Great Commission is outlined in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus said, Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel unto all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every church, I don't care whether they believe in healing, whether they believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whatever is speaking in tongues, whether they believe in the authority of the believer, whatever, whether they believe in a, all of God's word or a portion of God's word, all those churches believe we are to go yeah. and obey right. and do that. Yeah. Yet he said, go here. In fact, he said go here before he said go to the world. This go comes before the other go. Because God don't want to send you out if you are going to continue to sin. Because he's only sending the ambassadors that represent his kingdom. Those that are going to actually do what he says. So he's got to say, listen, now that you've acknowledged me as Lord, good news I don't condemn you either. And now that I've forgiven you, I'm empowering you now to go. And from now on, sin no more. Hallelujah. You know what? This tells me, this kind of response tells me you forgot what it, what it mean, how it felt and what it smelled like to be in your sin. My gosh, man, I was liberated from sin. I was dead in my trespasses. I was cut off from God eternally. I had no hope. Every time I hear the word sin, I know it's damnable. Separation is cast into the lake of fire. My gosh, man, God freed me from that. He freed you from that. You're not stuck to that anymore. You're not stuck to that lifestyle anymore. You're not stuck to that living anymore. He broke that bondage off you. Maybe if the church was more excited about living holy, instead of seeing how much sin they could get away with, we might shout a little bit more. Because Jesus is telling us the whole world's adulterous. They've all left me. They've all played the harlot. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But even though they're cheating on me in masses, I still love them. I'll provide a way of escape. But in order for them to get into my house, they must acknowledge my lordship. And when they acknowledge me as Lord, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. At that moment, I'll bring them into my house and I have this word from them for them. Go and sin no more. Woo, hallelujah. That's why Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, says, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. How can you who's dead to a life live it? In essence, he's saying, don't keep throwing the blood on your wrongdoing. What he's saying is make a willful choice to side with who you are now. Amen. Hallelujah. Side with who you are now. See, what we could not do, when Adam fell from dominion, when transgression came in, his spirit man was dead. And at that point, man has always functioned off of what he thought because his spirit was not even alive to God. It was dead. It's a dead spirit. A dead spirit doesn't do nothing. 
So we were subject to what we see and what we smell and what we hear and our emotions and how we felt about it. And the enemy just had a playground in our mind. My gosh, man, he came up there, set up camp, took us one way to the next, man. He snatched us this way, snatched us that way. He threw a little scripture in there just to get it all jacked up. Make you think you're doing good only to find out you're doing bad. Because I'm telling you, just like this adulterous woman, man, the devil's good at being religious. He'll set you up, tell you it feels good, and then drag you out the house and throw you in front of Jesus. The Bible says the devil's the accuser of the brethren. He's wanting to set you up for failure. He wants you to get back over on his side. He wants you to make decisions again that reflect who he is so he can drag you up in front of Jesus and condemn you and say, hey, God can't use you no more. How can my gosh, they used to worship you. And they used to, you know, do things for you. They used to be, now look at them. And you get so condemned. I see it all the time. All the time. Worshiping, then they're gone. Where are they at? Not even here. Don't even see them. What's going on? Where'd they go? Do you think that's God's in control of that? Oh, my you think God said, well, I'm going to take them out of church for a while because I'm in control of their life. I don't want it to be all jacked up again. I want it to be messy, you know, because I'm teaching them something. No, he teaches us by the Spirit. Yeah. Here's the thing. What we couldn't do, Jesus did instantaneously. And that is our spirit. Our heart couldn't get right. If you were here last week on the potter's wheel, a rock can't be molded. But a heart of clay, a heart of flesh, God can begin to say, okay, let's get what's in you out. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to make this statement because it's very important. And it's amazing how much we miss it. Your will is never saved. You have to save it. The minute you're born again, you don't become a robot. You still have the capacity to choose. Seriously, tell me right now. The person sitting next to you, just hold your fist up like this. Everybody, hold your fist up like this. Okay. Now look at the person by you or in front of you because some of you don't have people beside you. <clears throat> and say this to yourself. I'm going to bust you in the face with this fist. <laughs> Are y'all with Come on, help me out now. I'm trying to do it. Are y'all with me? Now, in all honesty, can you do that? You're a liar. Get down here, Gary, and pray. You can choose to hit Alex right now. Hit Alex. I'm not saying hard, but hit him. You did it. I told you you lied. You just did it. You told everybody out in church you couldn't do it, but you sure could. And it didn't even take much for me to coach you to do that. How much you think the death, this guy is born again, pastors a church in India, and I was in 15 seconds, was able to convince him he actually could do what he thought he couldn't do. And he made the choice right here in his mind. It's a false reality for you to think because you're born again that you can't fail. You can choose to fail again. And the scripture communicates on more than one occasion to not do that and tries to get us to identify with who we are on the inside. Who we are here. Jesus then goes on and speaks to them and says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, once you are forgiven and you are commanded to go and now you have the capacity to choose because when you're born again, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are a new creature in Christ. The old passes away. Behold, all things become new. But that spirit man doesn't control you. You must yield. You must allow. You must listen. 
You must allow, you've allowed your soul man realm and your soul man to control you all your life. You have taken direction from it, your whole existence, but now something on the inside begins to talk to you. Don't do that. That's why Gary says no, because some on the inside says you're not supposed to do that. Yet I could convince him still to do it. Even though on the inside he knew the answer. Which tells us this, this new life that we are, we've got to allow it to dominate and make the choice in our mind to hear it instead of what we know we could do. And man, when you first get born again, most of the time you still respond like you used to think. This is why, let's go on, let's just jump real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to jump on up in here. Don't have time to go through all the scriptures today, but that's okay. Because I believe this is where God wants me to go right now. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24 says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. Paul is writing to the church. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to the church right now. He's right, and all of Paul's churches were, were blood-bought, meaning all of them accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believe he died and rose from the grave. Not only were they born-again churches, but they were also spirit-filled churches. All their churches prayed in tongues. They all were baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. Don't you remember in Acts chapter 19 when Paul came across the disciples from Ephesus and he says, did you receive uh, the Holy Spirit once you believed? And they go, man, we don't even know what you're talking about, the Holy Ghost. He said, well, what baptism did you bap were baptized in? We said the baptism of John. He said, oh yeah, that's good. That's the baptism in the repentance. But then he lays hands on them. They begin to speak in other tongues and out of the speaking in other tongues, the gifts of the Spirit get in operation. Yeah. And then they begin to prophesy. So we're talking about a tongue-talking, blood-bought church. This is who he's talking to. Okay? And he says to them, he says, listen, so I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. That he's telling them, don't do that. Now, if... All of a sudden, you're born again and the grace of God is able to snatch you into all rights decisions without you even making a choice? Then why is he instructing them? No, he's saying, listen, there's this renewing of your mind. We're going to see it here. He said, look, you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk. In how? The futility, futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Meaning you know Christ and you're no longer a hard heart. You actually have a heart of flesh and you're filled with the spirit. Now you've got to make a conscious choice to change your mind. He goes on, but you didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you uh, have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is, is in Jesus, that in re reference to your former manner of life, you, 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 who? 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 That's called personal responsibility. That doesn't preach well. Jesus did what you couldn't do. Put a new spirit in you. And that new spirit now has empowered you. You couldn't have done it by yourself. Anytime you yield to this new creature in you that's listening to the Holy Ghost, it's God working through you. It's him doing the work, but it's because you allowed it. It's not because he said, get up out of here. I'm going to do this thing. Here, just give, me, give me this. Just get up. Get up. My gosh, raise your hands. My gosh, raise your hands. Go ahead. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelu hallelujah. 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 My gosh, go ahead. Dance a little bit for me. Come on, dance. I, my God, I'm so tired of your stiff worship. My gosh, I mean, do, give some, me some praise. Get down and worship me. Get on your face before me. It's like that's what kind of Holy Ghost we want. That's what kind of God. That's what we act like we want God to be like. Well, I didn't feel like him today. Sometimes I wish God would just come on in. Oh, you don't feel like it? <laughs> but he doesn't. He's a gentleman, right? What he's doing is like, you don't feel like it. 
You don't feel like it. I sure didn't feel like going to your cross for you. I sure didn't feel like getting my back beat for you. I sure didn't feel like getting that crown of thorns for you. I sure didn't feel like it, but I did. You haven't resisted to the point yet of shedding the blood and you don't feel like it? No, why are you not in church on Wednesday? One reason, you choose. Because your spirit man wants to. Why do you not serve in the local church? Not because you can't, it's because you choose not to. Why do you not grow up spiritually? It's not because you can't, because you choose not to. Why do you not read the word daily? It's not because God doesn't want it in you. You choose not to. Why do you not praise him? Why do you not raise your hands? Why do you not dance before the Lord? Because you choose. You stay in the futility of the mindset of the Gentiles who are self-seeking. And instead of you abandoning yourself and saying, I'm going to be who I am on the inside. I'm in Christ. I've been positioned with him in the heavenlies. I'm not the same person anymore. And I'm going to act like God told me to act. And I don't care what anybody thinks. But your actions will always be in line with the word. Not some made up imagination. Of, oh, I saw an angel today. You know, and you can't even support it with scripture. Be like, man, you're a wacko. But if you're doing actions that are in line with God's word, it will bring edification. Sometimes it will bring correction. Sure it will, because the Holy Ghost does that. He disciplines his children. Because he loves them. Why? Because he knows you're going on the wrong road. Wait, you're going back into darkness. You need to come over here and stay in the light. Okay, let's go back. I'm almost done here. In reference to your, it wasn't his, it was yours. Your former manner of life. You. Who? Who? Say, that's me. You lay aside the old self. But wait a minute. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that... The old passed away, and behold, all things become new. What's old? Your thinking. Your soul realm. Let's read. Lay aside the old self, which is being cor uh, corrupted in accordance with the lusts, lusts of deceit, and that you be what? And that you, and that you, and that you be renewed. Where? In the spirit of your mind. And put on. And what? Wait a minute. I'm born again. But you got to put that born again on somewhere else in your mind. You have to do that. Why is it that people are set free, but then all of a sudden feel bad? Well, I just feel so bad all that I did. Did Jesus forgive you? Yes. Then what are you worried about? Well, you know, I mean, did he, did he really? He did once and for all. Why are you groveling over that? Did you do something new? Did you do something that you know is against the nature? Is that why you're feeling bad? Well, you know, I did lie. To, well, you know you're not supposed to lie, right? Yes, so what do you do? Well, I need to ask them to forgive me. Yes, you do. So you do that, and guess what? You're fine. But Jesus ain't going to say, you are going to go forgive them. He doesn't force it. He's empowered you now to do it. I'm telling you, the only people who will be with Jesus are the ones who want to be. That's made the choice, spirit, soul, and body. want to be because they said thank you God if you had not given me this spirit I could not lay aside that action I could not have had dominion over that I could have never gotten rid of that thank you that you put that spirit in me and now I put it on in my mind I am the righteousness of God in Christ thought I hold you captive. You're not going to tell me to go after that woman. I cast that down. No, I'm going to be holy before. What? I am not going to backbite there. No, I'm not. No, I'm going to, I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to, I'm going to make that choice. I'll keep my mouth. Oh my gosh. Yep. You talk, keep talking. Yeah. I feel the rage coming up, man. I'm about upset, but ah, I grab you right now. I do this because God in my spirit, his Holy Ghost is talking to mine and saying, Hey, be quick to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I hold you captive. I'm not going to have an outburst of anger. No, okay, yeah. The Holy Ghost just said, walk in self-control. I don't feel like I'm in control. He said, that's all right in your weakness. I'll make you strong. Just trust me. Hold your tongue. And you hold your tongue, 
And next thing you know, the peace that passes all understanding begins to happen in your life. And you're looking at them as they are violently and vehemently spewing in your face and calling you everything and telling you you're number one with a different finger. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you'll look like God because you laid aside the old self and you put on the new self in the spirit of your mind. Colossians 3.10 said it this way. And I've put on the new man. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him which created him. Ooh, glory to God. Are you with me? Let's go back to verse 23. And that you renewed in Ephesians 4, that you renew, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. You're not going to feel like it, but you can put it on. And that's not being fake. That's becoming who you are. I hear people like, well, you know, I, I just can't love you. You know, I'm not going to be fake about it. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, and that's not fake. And if you'll put on the new man, you'll love them like God did, and that's not fake. That's real. What's fake is your flesh telling you you can't. That's a lie. Don't buy the lie. Make the switch in our mind and choose to shine new. Because we are given a choice to come out of darkness into light. Jesus said, those who keep my word, they walk by the light. I don't have time to show you all the scriptures I had this morning about walking in the light. You can read 1 John 1 and 1 John 2 for yourself. Plenty of scripture there talking about God is light and there's no darkness in him. And since he's made us alive, we can choose to walk in the light. Maybe you're here today and, um, you know, you feel like you just, you do whatever you feel and you want to get out of that. I'm telling you, if you're born again, you can escape the monotony. Today, I know there are children of God here that are making choices that are not in the light. But we have an advocate, according to 1 John 2, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. We have this advocate with the Father. In fact, the Bible tells John writing to the church, not the world, guys, when you get out of alignment with God in one of your decisions and you do something that you know is against his kingdom, the Holy Ghost is going to let you know, just repent of that. Don't practice that kind of behavior because we're out of that lifestyle. We were exposed once, but we came before our Lord and he said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. And so when you blow it like that, not a habit, not because this is the way you live, but you know, you made a mistake somewhere. You've done some things wrong. You've, you've messed up here or there. This advocate, each time he comes saying, now, Lord, I know that's not my nature because you made me different. I won't respond this way. Not, well, you know, I'm saved. It doesn't really matter what I do. No, that's not the lifestyle that God intended for his children. He intended a lifestyle that we will be the light of the world. Hallelujah. We can no longer identify with our former manner of life. We must only identify with who we are in Christ according to his word. That's who God says I am, so that's who I am. Whatever head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today.